Then, one day, while out walking, he discovered the city allotments, a living tapestry of miniature urban farms emblazoned like a defiant green flag behind the decay and neglect of the concrete grey of the run-down housing estate where he lived. Here, cheek by jowl with squalor, green cabbages blossomed like fat bullfrogs sunning themselves near algate ponds. Shy cauliflowers congregated like crinoline ladies at a ball, and fat red tomatoes blossomed unashamedly scarlet in their voluptuous fruitfulness. And Edward Edwards found new succor in the ruins of his former life. He applied to the council for a plot and patiently filled in all their forms, waited for months without rancor, while summer faded into winter, and the town or clerks lost the precious pieces of paper and made him recreate them. Squirreled his money away each week while he pored over catalogues of garden tools, and finally, on a steamy day in February, stood against the soft undulating sky, oblivious to the bite of the wind, and sliced the blade of his spade into the frost-bound earth, and began to turn over the frigid soil, his heart pumping and all his senses heady, with a sense of mud and loam over-brimming with the excitement at the prospect of taking what was barren and making it bring forth fruit. His fellow allotmenteers were, in the main, men of few words, and the girl was no exception. She laboured tirelessly at the plot next to Edwards, daily dragging a huge plastic drum of water from the standpipe to irrigate her haphazard crop. Potatoes mostly, but with some carrots and beetroots in a defiant cluster of mint and parsley. Sometimes a few ragged children, small, dead-eyed creatures with sullen expressions, helped her to draw water and dig, but mostly she worked alone, lost in her thoughts, her face as blank as the one faded dress she always wore. He had nodded to her once or twice, even tried an ambitious hello, but she had ignored him, and being a man who valued his own privacy, he had left her to it, delighting, instead, in his own love affair with the earth. For he had told the soil and planted a seed in the chill of early spring, and had been joyous at the earliest green shoots, shy and virginal, that struggled out of the loam with the first tentative rays of sunshine, ecstatic as they bloomed viridian and wanton, bringing feasts of colour, reds, purples and emeralds, to what had been a waste ground a few scant months before. The papery judge had left him his gold wedding band and his tools, and he sold these now and bought a shed, allowing him to arrive at the plot at first light and stay till the blood-red sun sunk behind the stillborn dockyards, sustaining himself on sweet tea and digestive biscuits, and the occasional can of soup heated on the splitting blue flame of his little gas ring. He should have known about the coming storm, everybody else did, but Edward read no newspapers and listened to no radios, so his first inkling of the downpour was when thunder rumbled and the blazing August sky suddenly clouded and turned a sickly green and then yellow and eventually black like a ripe bruise and the rain began to fall. Edward's crops were secure, well banked in, and staked against the possibility of inclement weather. But the girls were not. Her greenery lying thick and abundant in the loose soil, ripe for the slaughter. And the rain, when it came, was like a biblical torrent, 
great sheets of water thundering down from the heavens and washing away everything that stood in its path. Edward had not even known that she was there until he saw her from inside his shed, the rainwater slewing down the window pane like a fishmonger's display, making her form undulate like a warped film as she ran through the wet, trying to keep her crop from being uprooted and washed away by the waters of Noah. He hadn't thought about what he was doing, but he found himself out in the unrelenting wet with her, 